Sunday morning, gloomy. I'm so happy for it. I'm a, you know, I dislike the heat personally. I know some of you guys love it, but I don't. I love the cloudy, you know, rainy type of feeling. Sometimes I get depressed by it, but it doesn't matter. You know, this is what it is. Hey, so for the ones who don't know me, my name is Antonio Reyes, and I get to be part of the pastoral team in this community. I'm so glad that I get to share this morning with you. But before we jump in into this conversation, this sermon, I want to invite a friend that I met last year. Um, we have a lot of things in common, you know. And one of the things that we got to uh, have in common is that the city where my wife and I church planted, specifically the city of Southgate in greater Los Angeles, that's exactly the city where she was having actually church. That's where she kind of grew up in church, and she's going to share a little bit more. We were just a couple blocks away from each other, and there was just a lot of elements that we, we connected about. And she is a very energetic person. I love that about her. As well as some of you guys that are here have come to discover because of her and her invitation to come to this place. So uh, without any more, I want to invite Juliet. Come forward. Can you help me welcome Juliet? And she pay all those people if you want to know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is technical problem, family. There you go. How are you? I'm good. Yeah? <laughs> yes. It's only you and me. Don't, don't worry about them, okay? <laughs> hey, uh, can you share a little bit about your upbringing uh, with our community for the ones who don't know you and um, they want to know more about you? Yeah, um, so like you were saying, um, I'm from L.A., South Central, go Dodgers. Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I um, grew up in a Hispanic household, so both of my parents are Guatemalan. Um, kind of a bit of a background for those who know denominations. I grew up Pentecostal, um, and my church back home, um, a very lively group um, a lot of jumping, That's singing. a well put. I love that. Yes. yes. <laughs> Intense, yeah. maybe passionate are other words to describe. Um, but yeah, I, I grew up uh, kind of just uh, having a love for the Hispanic household, um, a lot of things with that. Um, but that's kind of my background with Christianity and how I grew up. What was your experience growing up? Um, I grew up in, the, well, didn't grow up, but I came into the same context of top of church, right? Um, you were mentioning to me that... Growing up, there was a loose of, of some sort of a desire to go deeper or maybe even like really digging a little bit more into that until you came to Davis. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, so when I was growing up, I didn't really um, felt like I needed to read my Bible or needed to like be in prayer and all of these things. Um, but it wasn't until I got to college that I joined um, like a college ministry and I learned what it was to do a quiet time, um, which is, you know, like reading the Bible on your own time. Um, and then coming here to Discovery actually kind of taught me how to worship more intentionally and more like calm and like um, being very intentional on in the way of like how I'm singing, what I'm doing, especially with like reading my Bible. Um, there was like a switch where I was like, I actually understand these things. Like, oh my God, like I've been reading these same stories my entire life and now they have a totally different meaning when somebody is explaining or something. I mean, there's... It means this. Um, right. But yeah. What was compelling about discovery that 
I mean, there's a lot of options across the board, right? What was compelling about Discovery to stay or maybe connect with, with us? I, it did have a little bit feeling of home when the sense of like, I saw so many different types of families. There was people my age. Um, and actually, I kind of shared it with you, but when I got here, um, I saw you dancing in the front and I was like, oh my God, that reminds me of my church back home. And I was like, there's my people. Like I can, <laughs> I was like, I feel free to worship the way that I want to. And I, and I saw you and I was like, no one's gonna judge me if I decide to do that. Um, and I felt that very much here at Discovery and it felt very nice. <laughs> I love it. Uh, just FYI, I, I love to dance. So just this part of who I am, I guess, you know. Anyways, so uh, that right there, you know, um, you going deeper into your faith and digging a little bit more, move you into creating something. And that something is called Destino, right? Can you share a little bit more about what is Destino uh, for the people who don't know? Yes, so Destino is a Christian fellowship um, that is a part of a bigger ministry called Crew, um, and it's specifically made for Latino and Hispanic students on campus. Um, I was a part of, sort of a part of it in high school, um, but yeah, its main focus is to bring more Latino and Hispanic students to Christ. And for the ones who probably don't know, you know, for, for, for this to happen, for, for some of us, we're the first generation of Latinos going into college which these spaces really don't exist for some of us. We are the first people that go to college and we don't know how to build community. We don't, our parents don't know what this means, what this looks like. We don't have the next steps for us. So these spaces are created for a community that maybe find a place to belong, you know? So that's why I think there's a very important and significant thing on you creating the scene, right? What move you to, you're, you're a busy person, you know? Uh, and, and out of all of that, why move you uh, to create that space? Yeah. Um, I honestly never even thought that I would be creating a chapter of a college ministry on a campus. High school me would be like, that's so weird. Why are you telling people you're Christian? Um, but I just like ever since I got to college, um, so like for my freshman year, I don't know why I just felt like every, this isn't like a diss or anything, but Every college ministry that I saw or fellowship on campus, I just saw it lacking Latinos and Hispanic people. And I was just like, there is a big community out there. And I know a lot of Hispanics and Latinos grew up with some sort of faith or Christianity or, or um, Catholic or it's just there. Like it's in the community. And I felt a very big um, I guess calling to, I know there's a lot of church hurt when it comes to growing up in a Hispanic household. And I wanted to show people I've built with a Christian and just like create a safe space for people to learn about that and like ask the hard questions. Cause I know when I came, I was like, okay, but what about this? This doesn't make sense. Like, why are they saying this? But like people act like this. Um, so I just wanted to create a space for those people to be able to ask questions and be in community and, you know, do all of those things. I love it. I love it. And, you know, to close the conversation, um, you create that space, you know, on campus, but you also have a connection with our, this, with the Discovery family. Uh, you have a love for the local community, local church. And to you, there's a connection between both of them. What, where did that come from? Why do you decide, hey, to me, both of them are valuable? Um, I just think that building 
once what I've like learned from um, people who graduate from college and then go into their like alumni for like after college, a lot of people don't make connections that they can continue after college. So a lot of like us, us college students, we go to a fellowship, we're there for the entire four years, and then we graduate and we're like, oh, like uh, where's my community now? Um, who am I supposed to read my Bible with? And obviously like we make friends, but those friends move away. Um, so I think it's really important to make connections with a local church that you're going to be staying with because that's where you can also find community. And it's also keeping yourself not inside of a bubble of just like college students or like just like this type of people. I feel like you can, type, you can meet so many people in a church. Um, and I also was connected with my church back home. So I knew that was a really big important thing in building community um, and getting support for the types of movements that you're doing. So like what I'm doing right now. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um, you know, uh, one of the, the things that I love about this is that you saw a need and you got the courage to step in into it. You didn't wait for anyone else to do it, but you did it. Uh, I went, I took you guys to lunch, you and your team, and we were talking about, um, to me, my desire was just to celebrate you guys because um, I wish I would have that when I was a kid or when I was younger. Um, and for you guys to do that and to open the space and the time to build something like that is very encouraging. So I want to celebrate you. Can you help me give a hand clap to Juliet? Thank you so much. Thank you. So in the next 15 minutes, today I promise that I'm not going to take too long. Um, I want to share with you about this idea of isolation versus mobilization. Uh, there's an element of being a good neighbor that is about an individual calling, an individual invitation. But there's also an invitation, and there's a collective invitation to be part of a tribe, to be part of a community, and to, to build community, do life together, as well as to live in mission. And maybe for some of you guys that have walked with Jesus for quite some time, this is a reminder for some of us. But for those maybe who don't identify with Jesus and we're trying to figure life together and try to figure it out, what are my next steps in life? I believe that when you become part of something bigger than yourself, it's helpful, it's helpful to move you forward and bring clarity in your life. There's um, an interesting thing because before I came to church, I never thought that mission and church were synonymous. I always thought that complacency in church were synonymous. Boring and church were synonymous. But never thought that movement and mission and church are synonymous. But I believe that this is the change that at the core of what it means to be a collective church, a collective community, there's mission and movement. And I want to take you to two moments of the life of Jesus and a whole, hopefully this I can put it together so it makes sense. And both of them are at the beginning of his service to humanity, at the beginning of his ministry, and at the end when, before he ascended and the instructions that he gave to his disciples. So if you have your Bible with you, if you don't, we're going to have it here on the screen. You can go with me to Matthew chapter 28. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 4 first. Luke chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. And it says this, when he came to Nazareth, where he had grown up, he went into the synagogue, as he always did on the Sabbath. 
When Jesus came to the front to read the scripture, he was handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to be hope for the poor, healing for the brokenhearted, and new eyes for the blind, to preach to the prisoners, you are set free. I have come to share the message of the Jubilee, for the time of God's great acceptance has begun. If we fast forward to Matthew 28, verse 16, before he ascended, the last instructions to his disciples were this. Meanwhile, the 11 disciples heard the wonderful news from the woman and left for Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had arranged to meet them. The moment they saw him, they worshiped him, but some still had lingering doubts. I love this. That the people that were supposed to pioneer this faith still have some doubts. You might be there. I'm there sometimes. The Jesus came close to them and said, all authority of the universe has given to me. Now, whatever you go, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you. And never forget that I'm with you every day, even to the completion of this age. If you feel comfortable, will you close your eyes for a, for a second? I would love to pray. God, thank you so much for allowing us to be here. Thank you for the people that have uh, made a choice and opened the space in their day on a Sunday morning to be here. Can you speak to us? Can you invite us to your plan and what you're orchestrating around us? Give us the courage and the clarity to say yes to your plan. We pray this in your name, Jesus, and everybody says, amen. Hey, so one of the things that I, I have come, become more confident in my life, you know, as a 90s kid, as a kid that grew up in the early 2000s, there was a movement in the early 2000s, late 90s of boy bands. Remember the boy bands? You know, I don't know if some of you, some of the, the, the young people are like, what is that? You know, I, I don't know what that, what is, what, yeah. I can't help you with that. And there, there was something that I always, you know, I always felt embarrassed to say, but I'm going to say it. Can I just share it with you? I love NSYNC. I'm an NSYNC fan. Yeah, look, look, let me change it. Let me change it this. I am NSYNC. You know, when I grew up as a kid, I remember seeing Justin Timberlake on the screen, and, and, and I remember that I, I learned their moves. I learned everything. I would see their, their, their videos in MTV, and I would watch their performance, and I wanted to be like them. I learned every single move. I remember, you know, walking, and, and, and I wanted to look like them. Their fashion were so like, ah, I want to be like them. And I remember that, um, you know, I learned Probably 90% of their music, I know it by memory. And you think I'm playing. I do know it by memory. This is the interesting thing. How do you learn songs on the language that you don't know what you're singing? That was me in Mexico. I, I know the melody, and I will sing the melody, but I don't know what I'm, I'm singing. Now that I'm here, I'll sing the, I was like, oh, that's what I meant. That's not a good thing, because I don't know what I was singing. But I learned... I learned all their music. I, I tried to dress like them. I remember one time they went to Mexico City. I was trying to make my mom drive eight hours so they could take me watching. It was just wild. I was NSYNC. I wanted to be. I, I knew random facts about them. My heart was 
broken when Justin and Brittany broke up, you know, like it was just hard for me. This is how much I love and sing. I am inspired by many, many things. And some of us, we embody those things. And one of the things that we, we, we believe here in Discovery is that we believe that the way of Jesus is becoming an incarnational church. I know this is a big word. This is a, this is a theological word. They're like, what, what are we talking about? But I love that the shaping of things to come tells us in this book what it means to be an incarnational church. And it says this. When we talk about incarnational with a capital I, we refer to that sublime love of humility whereby God took upon himself to enter into the depths of the world, our life, our reality, in order that reconciliation and consequent union between God and humanity may be brought about. In other words, that the decision of the creator of the universe was to embody the good news. The God was not just the God of us, but it was the God with us. That the reality is that the, the, the love, the justice, the care that, that the, the creator of the universe had for us, he embodied himself and, and the person of Jesus to represent the, the good news tangibly. That this was not just an idea or a message or a concept, but this was a human being on earth with us. See, towards the end of the life of Jesus, we can see the instructions that he gives to his disciples about this message. I don't want you to hold this message to you, only for yourself. I don't want you to hold this message and, and, and make a scene and preach just for yourself. I want you to go and share the good news. All authority, he says, of the universe has given to me. Now, whatever you go, make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them faithfully to follow all that I have commanded you. See, the problem with this statement is that we have militarized this statement in many churches. Yeah, 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 go outside and, and make people pray this magical prayer so that they can, you know, they can become Christians. And then let's just dunk them in the water so that they can, you know, we can Check mark in our churches so that we have another person and make them come to the building so that they can sing karaoke songs with us. And, and this is very spiritual. We have militarized this thing. That's not at the core of what Jesus desired for us. That at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we have killed the example of Jesus, that the way of this mission is relational. It's intentionality. And we have killed that, militarizing this. See, the challenge sometimes with this conversation is that we swing the pendulums to the stream. From one side, we become agnostic and weird. Don't tell, don't tell me you haven't met them. Maybe you are that person. I don't know. But... We, sing it, we swing it to the other side and we become passive and indifferent about it. See, I know that the church, there's the word church and the invitation to church is not the most sexy thing to do right now. I know that that's, that's just not, it's a hard thing to have a conversation about or to invite people to. I know that it is not the most thrill thing to do because of the pain and the hurt that has happened. And I want to acknowledge that. But 
In the past 14 years that I have been part of a church, you know, in different ways, in different capacities, I have understood something about the church. And it's that personally, when I feel myself overwhelmed by my own uh, brokenness, when I feel overwhelmed by my own inconsistencies, when I feel, I feel overwhelmed by my own dark others, and not just others to affirm me, but others so that I can serve them too. That when I become static, I become easily consumed by my own darkness. And that is in that darkness that I make very unhealthy decisions. And I believe it's the same thing about the church. That when we become static in the church, we become consumed by our own brokenness, our own inconsistencies. And then we start hurting each other. Because it was never about others, it's about us. And the church can only be the church when it's about others. I know that this is, not a hard, this is a hard truth to swallow, but the church is for the rest of us, for others, for the people on the margins, for those who don't identify with Jesus and we might be wondering about life. See, the early church will perform acts of justice and compassion together, not just as individuals, but together. The love their neighbor became the hallmark of the early Christianity. It was something that we, will, we were known by. To notice that when Jesus begins his service to humanity, he begins with the mission in mind. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, he says. And he has anointed me. What did anointing mean? What, what does that mean? I know this is a churchy word that sometimes we hear anointing. It means, uh, it means that he was equipped. It means that he was giving grace. It, was, it means that he was giving favor. Uh, it was like that moment was for him. He was for that moment. It's like when, I don't know, I know that not everybody watches sports, but imagine your, your favorite team losing. And all of a sudden they throw this probably this athlete or this person into the game. And all of a sudden this person ties the game and wins the game. It's like this person was made for this game. That is what it means for Jesus. Like, I'm made for this. I have been equipped for this. This is my moment. And what is this moment for? To bring hope to the poor, healing the brokenhearted. And you set eyes for the blind to preach to the prisoners. You are set free. There's a mission in mind. And after this moment, what ended up happening is that he gathers his 12 disciples. He gathers these people, these men together. And people who understood what it meant to be oppressed. People who understood what it meant to not have the upper hand in the culture. People who knew what it meant to be overtaxed. People who knew what it meant that nothing that they would do would favor them. Everything was against them. People who understood what it meant to be in the culture and that climate. Not people who were educated in the religious system, if you notice. And he named them, he, their name is apostles. The one who is sent. Even in the name, he engraves the purpose of these 12 men. That he gives them the power and the authority not to build a book club or to have a lot of Bible studies, which is not bad, but... That's not the whole purpose of it. So they could execute Jesus' mission on behalf of him. The ordinary people, ordinary people were able to do this. And if you keep reading Luke 10, this goes up to 72, and he sends them in pairs. 
He entrusts them with the works of justice and compassion to ordinary men. See, the church is, is a place of haven, a place of community, a place where you can build friendship. But it also is a place of purpose, movement, and mission. That if you try to expand yourself, be part of this movement. Because this would take you beyond yourself. It's bigger than yourself. The community and relationship is essential because this is where we feel seen, heard, that we can belong. But service is a tangible expression of this good news. Servanthood is a point of connection. And as I start closing, I'm going to invite the band to come forward. I told you it was not going to take too long. You know, something that I was thinking through, God is relational, right? We think that God is this Trinitarian uh, God, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that the essence is relationship. That means it was mandatory that there was no other way that for him to become Emmanuel to humanity. The relationship happens skin to skin, flesh to flesh. And because the, the, the Bible describes to us that Jesus was tempted in his own skin, that means that he becomes an advocator with empathy, not just because he, he has theory, but because he has relationship with us. That sometimes we get this idea that because we know a lot, because we know a lot about an, an issue, because we, we have all the right things and all the right arguments, that's, that means that we're serving. But can I just say that Sometimes that's a limitation. We cannot serve all the time from a place of theory, but from a place of relationship. That is the invitation of Jesus. That is the example of Jesus. That this good news become tangible to people through our lives. Not through only information and preaching and, inf and data. See, when you look at the life of, of Jesus and his mission of the new, the good news, if he has empowered us to do this, that means that what he's, what Luke chapter 4 is telling us, we become echoes of that. We, we become echoes of Jesus to proclaim liberty, to heal the brokenhearted, to bring a new set of eyes to people. To proclaim that the God is receiving and welcoming anyone. When we embody this message, this organic movement we call the church, at the core, we have relationship. But it's not just about creating a beautiful community, but it's also about mission and movement to others. This will require, this will require two things. Two things from you. One, courage. Second, your story. One, your courage. Second, your story. You know, <clears throat> I was just thinking that um, on Tuesday, we have this um, gathering between all of the communications team or the, not the communication, the teaching team. Several people come into this teaching and we, we discuss and conversate about communication and how can we more, be more effective. And uh, Pastor Steve threw a question this week that 
throw me off that I actually never thought about it. And his question was, what was the first experience you ever had with a, with a sermon or with a preaching? What was your first experience? I actually never thought about it. This is what we do, but never thought about what was my first experience with it. And as everybody was sharing, you know, it was the, you know, sharing the Bible, sharing the context of the Bible, the things that we didn't know, and, and giving us, you know, practical steps and how to live life and how to become more like Jesus. And it occurred to me that my experience, the best way I can describe it, it was that my first experience with a sermon was that I felt seen and I felt like somebody knew me. See, in the Latino church, this is changing, by the way. Many of these pastors here in the United States specifically come from places where they're not educated. They're, they didn't even finish probably middle school or high school. And all they have in their lives is their story. They might not read all the books, but all they have is their story and their courage. And I remember attending that, this little community in Vacaville. And I remember this pastor from Mexico that didn't even finish middle school sharing his heart. And I felt heard and I felt seen by him. And all he had was his story and courage. And I believe some of us, that's all we need. Courage and our story. Story is powerful, friends. It can change everything. So the invitation to us this morning, as we think through this, as, as we evaluate this, as this invitation to become part of this collective movement that serves our community, that serves in different ways, not just one way, but different ways to our people, in the city of Davis and beyond Davis, in the Solana area too. How can we become part of that? Let me tell you, that would change everything for you. So... As we close this conversation and as we are led in worship, there's different stations also that we want to spend a moment where we can celebrate and acknowledge the, the sacrifice of Jesus. Feel free to come to any of the stations and take a moment to process and evaluate and have a conversation with God about this. Where are you at? What does this mean to you? Maybe this is a moment where you take steps Maybe this is a moment where you are reaffirmed and celebrated of the things that you're already doing, which I believe someone, many of you are already doing it. But allow this moment to not just pass by, but really help you understand where you're at. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for this moment. Thank you for allowing us to have this conversation, for inviting us to what you're doing and what you're building around us in humanity. Allow us to be voices of hope, to bring a new set of eyes to people, to see our reality and our culture and everything around us, God. Give us the boldness to proclaim freedom to those around us. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen.